Well, hi, everybody. My name is Lena Ebijamra, and I'm your host. This is the Living with Power Hope podcast. If you haven't pres- subscribed to us before, I'm a doctor, so prescriptions are always on my mind, but we subscribe to podcasts. And if you haven't done that yet, please do it right now. I'd love to have you here weekly. And uh, uh, coming into the new year, we're going to be hitting a new series of Dear Lena questions, which makes me remember now to ask you to send me your questions. If you have any questions about faith, culture, and life, please send them to dearlena at livingwithpower.org. Everybody loves the Dear Lena questions where we just tease out all sorts of controversial and hot topics. Uh, But now, leading up to Christmas, we're in a three-week series where I talk about Christmas. Imagine that. And we're in a series called Come Alive. And last time we uh, spent time paying attention to Zachariah and his wife Elizabeth on the story of of expectation and coming alive in our expectations. Well, this week is going to be special. We're going to focus on Mary. And uh, the title of this message that I'm sharing with you is Come Alive in Your Peace. And so if you're looking for peace, if it's been chaotic in your mind and in your life, this message is going to touch you deeply. Hey, by the way, did you know that I teach on Thursday nights live? And so this series is from our Thursday night teachings. And uh, next year, we'll be doing Bible studies together. So if you're looking for a place to connect, I'd love to invite you to join our Living with Power Facebook community group. We'll tell you more about how to get that at the end of the show. But in the meantime, pay attention to this week's teaching, Come Alive in Your Peace. Awesome to have you guys. Uh, We are in the middle of a second out of three teachings uh, in a series I've called Come Alive. It is a series on Advent. We're making our way towards Christmas. And so if you're coming in for the first time, thanks for being here. If you've done this before, then um, uh, great. We're welcome that you're back. And if you're listening on the podcast later, thank you for checking in with us. Uh, We are going to be focusing on Mary. Last week, we spoke about Zachariah and we looked at the come alive and your expectations. This week, we're going to talk about coming alive in our peace, coming alive in our peace. And I asked a question on, on Facebook earlier. We talked about, hey, what is it that hinders your peace? And I'm going to read a couple of sections of scripture, one on um, the, the, the little encounter between Mary and the angel and the prediction of the coming of Jesus, of the, of the birth of Jesus through Mary. And then I'm going to pick it up and read just a few verses in Luke chapter two. And then next time we're going to conclude with the shepherds and the actual birth of Jesus. So we're not going to get quite there now, but we're making our way where Advent is anticipation towards what's to come. And that story is just incredible. We're 2021 now. People have been telling the story of Christmas for 2021. 21 years and it doesn't get any less bright, any less peaceful. And I hope that no matter where you find yourself tonight, maybe you are wrestling for peace, that this story will give you hope again and peace again, and that God will bring us to life again. So Luke chapter uh, 1, verse 26, let me just read the, uh, the story in case it's been a while since you heard it. It says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting that might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her 
who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now, from there, she goes to visit Elizabeth. It says, In those days, Mary arose, went to hasten to the hill country, to a town in Judah. And, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed to the, with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And for behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Now move with me to Luke chapter 2. Again, a few verses there. Now a few months go by. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who is with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. A lot going on here. I'm going to break it down to you in four teaching points as we get through this section of scripture, focusing on coming alive in our peace, coming alive in our peace. One of the beautiful parts of Christmas is that really in a world of chaos, in a world of noise, in a world of, of, of confusion, really after two, 400 years of silence, God spoke and what was chaotic turned into peace. And for those who saw it, everything changed. And for those of us who see it today, the same is true, man. There may be a lot going on in your life. In fact, many of you answered the question, what is it that steals your peace? Think about that tonight. What is it that steals your peace? I started jotting down just a list of possibilities. How about this one? Unexpected bad news. I got an email a couple of weeks ago. Uh, in fact, yesterday we got an unexpected bad news. There isn't a day. There's a shortage of days. Every day that comes, there's unexpected bad news our way. And, and that can steal your peace. It can suck the life out of you. What you think was going one way, and then you get this piece of news. And you're like, what just happened? Your peace is gone. And, and, and here's another one. Unforeseen circumstances. Your life is going on as you predicted, as you planned. Maybe beginning of 2021, you made a plan for the year. Maybe you're one of those people. You've got a one-year plan, a five-year plan, a 10-year plan, and everything is working out according to your schedule when an unforeseen circumstance happens. COVID was an unforeseen circumstance, wasn't it? There's all sorts of unforeseen circumstances, and we all understand what it feels when you get that diagnosis you didn't expect. Or how about unwanted conflict? Huge source of peacelessness in our life because of unwanted conflict. We don't want to fight with people. We don't want to have any conflict with others, but, but you get that phone call, you get that email, you get that bit of news, you go into a line to check out and what started off as a perfectly decent relationship turns into chaos and fighting and ill feelings. And you're like, how did we get here? And your peace is sucked out of you. How about this one? Unsafe threats or unfulfilled plans or an unfair turn of events. It's just you treated a deal. You're like, how did this turn out this way? This isn't fair. And all these things, you can think about your own life very specifically. Those are general categories. Think about your life very specifically. Where do you lack peace? And what is it that has stolen your peace? Uh, well, there were a lot of things happening that could have stolen Mary and Joseph's peace. And I'm gonna look at those things because I think that they'll encourage us to think through how the Christmas story is an opportunity for us to see peace come back to our hearts. And so how do we come alive in our peace? Well, well here's, here's the first observation. When you find yourself 
in a place of fear, God invites you out of fear into surrender. Irina is going to jot those notes down. Uh, in the new year, I'll be teaching a series in a book of the Bible. We'll give you the notes ahead of time. But for these three teachings, I kind of came up with these teachings more recently. And so we're just going to share uh, the points as I speak them. But when you uh, find yourself in a place of fear, God invites you out of your fear into surrender. Now, this is exactly what happens to Mary. It's interesting because when the angel appears to Mary and says, are you going to have a son? She's like a young gal at the time. She'd be 15, 16 max, maybe even a little younger. And so she's never been with a man. She's never married, but she's a faithful woman of God. And God has found favor in her, not because of anything she's done, but simply because he had chosen her to be the bearer of her of himself. God became man in the form of Jesus. And so this is part of the Trinity. It's a mystery, but it's incredible. And so he tells this to Mary and Mary's response is fear. And and of course that's that's expected. This is all surreal to her and I think sometimes you know we have this idea and I think Mary is sort of, you know, elevated and she, as she should be in some ways. I mean, she's a unique human to be able to have gone through this, but but still she was a young gal like like anybody who would be chosen by God to do something that was above and beyond what they could ask or think. And and so the angel says to her, "Do not be afraid, Mary." It's interesting because that's not the only time in the Christmas story where we see a response of fear and where God has to remind us through the angel or through himself of, of, the, of the need to lay down our fears. And we see very clearly in Mary that where she goes from fear, as you follow the reading when I first started reading, she, she, he tells her, hey, don't be afraid. Here's what's happening. He explains it. And it's a fulfillment of thousands of years of prophecy. And then her response is in verse 38. Uh, well, first, he, he's, she's reminded, for nothing will be impossible with God. And her response is verse 38. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. That sentence right there is surrender. So she's got a point of fear that could take away her peace. And to it, she has a choice. Does she stay in fear or does she surrender? And surrender says... God, I'm going to trust you. God, I'm going to believe your promises. God, I'm going to, I'm going to rest in knowing that you do not lie, that you do the impossible, that what doesn't sound reasonable to man is, is true in your kingdom. And, and she makes this conscious decision to trust the Lord so much so that later Elizabeth says to her, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. That is surrender. You go, man, I don't know how to surrender with God. It's this, it's belief. It's saying, my situation doesn't look normal. My situation doesn't make sense. No one's going to believe this, but God, but God. And you submit to God and you say, because God has said it, because God has promised it, I'm going to believe it. Incidentally, Joseph, I'm going to read not the whole thing, but in Matthew chapter one, there's an interaction. It says uh, in chapter one, verse 19, and her husband, Mary's husband, Joseph, he finds out about what's happening. It says in verse 18, actually, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way when his uh, Mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. They were engaged, not married, before they came together. I mean, the Bible couldn't be more blunt. Like, they haven't had relationships yet. She was found to be with child uh, from the Holy Spirit. Now, Joseph hears this. And again, put yourself in his place. Like, that's a lot to swallow. If, if I mean, I'm an ER doctor, and no offense, but when women come to the ER and tell me that they've never been active and they find out they're pregnant, you're like, yeah, right. Like, what do you think? I was born yesterday. Well, well, I mean, so Joseph is a human. He's, he's like us. And, and her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, 
resolved to divorce her. So he's doing it quietly, it says, quietly, because he doesn't want to embarrass her, he doesn't want to shame her, but he has a problem. His peace has been stolen. What he thought was one thing, he was betrothed to a woman that he thought was pure and, and lovely, and now he finds out she's pregnant, and he's trying to reconcile these things, and he doesn't freak out, but he, he's wrestling, and as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, and you know what the angel says to him? The same thing he says to Mary. He says, do not fear. His response in his heart, there was fear and anxiety and the sense of like, how could this be happening? And, he, and the angel says, do not fear. And then to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And it says, when Joseph, verse 24, woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And so Joseph's response is also surrender. And that surrender shows itself not just in believing God's promises, but here in obeying God's word. Surrender is reflected in obedience to God's word. And you see it so clearly. There's a problem. Peace is threatened. God speaks peace into their life. And they make an intentional obedient decision to believe God's promises. They surrender to God's will. They trust that God is faithful and will accomplish that which is impossible to man. So when you and I find ourselves in a place of fear, God invites us out of fear. Do not fear. Whatever it is that's bringing you fear today, do not fear. And he invites us into a place of surrender. Do you believe God? Surrender is the act of bowing your knee to God even when it sounds impossible. It's a step of faith. It is refusing to give in to the problems in your life because you see God is bigger than your problems. Surrender is allowing yourself, listen, this is, this is insightful. Surrender is allowing yourself to remain and let God work through you. There's a, there's a, there's a posture of surrender and it is not an active posture. It may look passive, but it's anything but passive and it is remaining under. It is remaining. It is staying put. Mary doesn't freak out. Joseph remains with Mary. He remains. There's something very peaceful about this couple. As young as they are, they are endowed with wisdom from God and they remain. They remain. They rest. They submit. They bow the knee. There's not a frenzy to try to fix the situation. There's not a million calls to everybody they know. They remain. May God give us the strength to remain when we're in a place of fear. So that's surrender. It is acknowledging the fear, but choosing to trust God's promises instead. Surrender isn't saying I'm not afraid anymore. No, the fear is there. Here's a young gal. She's 15-ish. She has to go tell her family, like, I'm pregnant of the Holy Spirit. Think about that. I mean, this is a lot to bear. And, and she's got to have a, now work her relationship with Joseph and, and try to figure that out. And they've got more coming down. We're going to get into it in a minute. So surrender doesn't, you know, disregard fear. It acknowledges the fear, but it chooses to trust God's goodness and his presence more. And that's a challenge for you and I. I find myself constantly faced with unwanted situations in my life that bring fear and in that moment, the Christmas story reminds us that to that fear, we can bow the knee and surrender and remain sure that this God who gave us his promise is going to stay with us to the end. So surrender is all about trust, even when I feel afraid in the face of the unknown. Are you willing to surrender? That's how you come alive in your peace, all right? So when you find yourself in a place of fear, God invites you out of fear into surrender. Here's a second point. When you find yourself in a place of aloneness, God invites you out of aloneness into community. Say, so where are we going with this? Well, well, very simply, Mary's alone. 
think about it. This is a lonely thing. I think, again, you, we, we love Mary. I mean, Christmas is, you know, I mean, Mary's iconic in many ways, right? I mean, I mean, I mean, I get it. Like, I didn't grow up in the Catholic tradition, but even in the Protestant tradition, we elevate. I mean, Mary is a unique individual. I don't think we idolize her in the Protestant tradition, nor should anyone. But she certainly is a woman who found favor in the Lord, who bore Jesus. I mean, so there's something very unique about Mary. And yet, she's alone. I mean, she gets this bad news for a season. Luckily, Joseph came on board pretty quickly, but there was a season where no one in the world would understand her. Like, there's a loneliness that comes from having to bear a burden of something on your own, even though it is a good thing. We know now, 2,000 years later, we know it's a good thing, but as they're living it, so put yourself back in that place. If you're living with the knowledge that now you're carrying as a virgin, the son of God, like there's a little bit of a loneliness that can grow from carrying a weight. And, and by the way, many of you as Christians and followers of Jesus might have that weight upon you at Christmas. You know the world and the kingdom of God to be different than the world that we see visually. And, and there's a heaviness that comes from maybe some of you, it's in the context of your family. Maybe you're the only one in your family that understands the gospel. And, and it can be lonely to walk down that path to Christmas where you know something is true, you believe it, you've surrendered to it, but you still feel this weight of loneliness. You go, what happened? What did God, how did God meet Mary in that place? Uh, guess who he put in her life? Elizabeth. I that's why I read those verses going into Elizabeth, by the way, because there's a beauty. Something happens after this news is received. There's great joy in Mary, but who's she going to share it with? No one would understand. Everybody's sort of ashamed of Mary at this point. And Mary is guided to Elizabeth. This is, there's so much power in this, this, this trajectory in the life of Mary that I think you and I need to pause and consider that. When you find yourself in a place of aloneness, God invites you out of aloneness into community. Community is a gift from the Lord. The church is a community. Listen, we can be very cynical about the church. I just wrote a book telling the wounds that I endured at the hand of the church like I'm no you know no secret to that and and I'm no stranger to that pain but but just because you go through church hurt doesn't mean that the church just needs to be thrown out the window the community of believers is what God has given us to connect and to have this 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 understanding have you ever been in a place where you met someone and you know they're Christians and there's an automatic understanding that we believe things that other people think are crazy and I know in 2021 there's a spectrum of Christians not everybody believes the same thing not everybody who says they're a Christian is a Christian but you know what I mean I could be in any country in the world I've traveled all over this world and the minute you meet someone who's a follower of Jesus you know that there's a kinship that is deeper than anything else in the world that is the gift of community. So Elizabeth uh, is the gift that God gives Mary. And when she shows up, Elizabeth is not surprised. In fact, Elizabeth herself has this amazing news about John and they have this communion and this fellowship that at that point in time, now in 2021, we all look back and go, oh, wow, of course. But at that point in time, it was really strange for Elizabeth to be pregnant because she was really old. And it was really strange for Mary to be pregnant because she was a virgin. And God put them together. They were living towards the same promise of a coming Messiah. And so the people that you and I surround ourselves with influence us way more than we think. In my opinion, that's sometimes one of the greatest dangers of social media is that we have this fake sense of community 
but it's not often with people of like-minded thought and belief. I mean, you think you have to be careful if you're constantly feeding your brain and your your what we now think of relationships online, which I don't think are real relationships. I know this is an online community. By the way, part of why we like the live study is because we have a chance to see people show up again and again so that many of you, you're no longer strangers, you become friends. And But still, there's a sense when you open yourselves up in the world of social media that you're really sort of, being influenced by people who may or may not speaking the truth. And I think there's has to be great wisdom uh, placed on relationships because who you surround yourself with influence the way that you think way more than you think. And, and, and we see again, in this case of Mary, she gets so encouraged because she surrounds herself with Elizabeth and Zachariah. Zachariah was a silent person at that point. God had taken away his ability to speak. And, but even his presence at that point, I think Zachariah was well into believing God because he could see the baby in his wife's stomach. I mean, he could see that God had indeed spoken the truth. But think about it for those months that Mary was visiting, Zachariah couldn't speak. And eventually Zachariah would utter the name of his son as John. And he gets his ability to speak again. And oh man, how those years of silence just must have affected him and or months of silence must have affected this man. Uh, but the pain you share with others deepens your connection with them. And, and as happy as this situation was for Mary, I think there was still some pain of, of this way of, of being with child without being with Joseph and what maybe people were saying around them in that time. And I'm, I'm sure there were rumors. I'm from the Middle East and trust me, you are not living in isolation here in the United States. I think we lose sense of that because everyone in the U.S. sort of lives on their own. You could go move to another state. Nobody could find anything about you. It's not like that in the Middle East. If you had a problem, everyone in the community knew it. And you didn't need social media. You didn't need an iPhone. Sorry, Steve Jobs. You did not need that to let the word cross. You just had an aunt somewhere who would just like make sure that everybody in the community knew the details of your life. And so I'm sure in that time, uh, there was some, some pain, some pain uh, there. And so the pain uh, between Mary and Elizabeth was shared. And out of it, there was a deepened intimacy. And then the plan, here's, here's, here's a, another thing to remember about this issue of loneliness. The plan God has for you in your loneliness is often fulfilled through other people. God wants to meet you in your place of loneliness. This is why we still show up on Tuesday nights really, or Thursday nights. We really believe that. We believe in community. We understand that the church is fractured. We understand that our communities are fractured post-COVID. We understand that we all live in different places. Like I get all that, and yet there's a striving in my soul to still have a sense of community. That's why we started the whole branch, because I genuinely believe that creating spaces where people can come together, small groups of people to get to know one another, to encourage one another in the faith, to continue to sort of fuel the waiting until Christ returns, the, the hope that we have for the return of a savior, that happens in community. And you are part of that community for me. And so I thank you for that. And I thank you that you show up week after week because I really believe that the invitation that we have in our places of aloneness is to community. And that is a pattern we see even in the Christmas story. Third, out of four points, here's third. Uh, so number one was when you find yourself in a place of fear, God invites you out of fear into surrender. This is how you come alive in your peace. When you find yourself in a place of aloneness, God invites you out of aloneness into community. And now number three, when you find yourself in a place of confusion, God invites you out of uncertainty into his rest. Arena's going to put that point up there. I'll repeat it for those of you listening later on the podcast. When you find yourself in a place of confusion, God invites you out of uncertainty and into his rest. 
And boy, is there a reason for us to be confused in, in our lives, isn't there? On a daily basis, news comes at us at such a fast pace. It's easy to feel confused in your jobs, in your personal lives, in your church world, in, in your relationships. It's so easy to do that. So here's Mary and Joseph. For them, they had the same struggle. They um, had a promise from God. Both Mary and Joseph were assured that there was going to be a baby born named Jesus. They're living this thing together now. And, and in chapter 2 of Luke, I jumped over to the story of the birth of Jesus. It says, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Now, it, in our era, this doesn't sound like a big deal, but in that day and age, this was a big deal. And the deal here was that this uh, Caesar Augustus, why did he want to number the people? Why did he want them to be registered? Well, it had to do with taxes and money. And it was his way of of counting the people in his kingdom, and he basically ruled everybody. And, and, and he didn't have to do it in that time, but God appointed for him to do it in that time because that was how Mary and Joseph would move from Nazareth back to Bethlehem. And Bethlehem was what was predicted in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, uh, where the location of the birth of Jesus would be in Bethlehem. You can look up Micah chapter 5, verse 2, and it was uh, prior to the birth of Jesus, thousands of years, or, or yes, actually a couple thousand years before, or it was predicted, or maybe not a couple thousand at that point, but a few hundred years before, it was predicted uh, by the prophet Micah that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. And so God had to ordain those circumstances. He already knew ahead of time. In fact, there are more prophecies of the Old Testament fulfilled in the birth of Jesus and in the life of Jesus than, than mathematically possible. Like if you just looked at the fulfilled prophecies of Old Testament that came through in the life of Jesus, you I don't know how you don't believe Christ if you just look at that. But one of them was the location. And so God uses this really evil ruler who uh, was unjust and sucked the life and the money out of his people. And and so think about this new, this, they're not even newlywed yet. They're betrothed, they're engaged, they're going to be married. They're, they come from simple families. We know that Joseph was a carpenter. Mary was a single mom. I mean, she just like didn't have much. They lived in 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 in, in very simple means. They were from Nazareth. There was said, does anything good come out of Nazareth? It was not an accident that God chose Nazareth as a place of His birth, because it's a sign for us that that we think of kings and and the birth of King Jesus, and we expect this grandiosity because we have this idea of what is great. And God shows us the radical opposite nature of everything in His kingdom. And he humbles himself and he becomes obedient and, and humble. And he's born in Ephesians in chapter 2. Man, we, we read the amazing uh, words of, of the Apostle Paul who says that, uh, 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 was it Philipp Philippians? I think maybe it is. Hang on a second. I've got to look it up now. I'm thinking about it. Oh, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, having uh, this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, by em but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. I mean, this king uh, chooses to be born in a manger in the simplest of places to the simplest of couples. But in that moment, when Caesar Augustus announces, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna number the people. Now, this couple who had barely had anything and already was probably taxed out of the nose, now had to make a 90 mile trek in the ninth month of Mary's pregnancy. So we're talking about, remember, when you find yourself in a place of confusion, I don't know about you, but I'd be a little confused if God had told me you're going to have a baby and I'm like, okay, I struggled to get there. Now I'm on the same page as God and I've got some level of peace. And now out of the blue, I hear that I need to go make a 90 mile trek with my pregnant wife to be who 
the whole story itself is chaos. And now I got to what? I got to go to a place this far away and worry about finding a place. And in fact, they get uh, to Bethlehem and, and we're told that, uh, that she ended up in a manger because there was no place for them in the end. And if you've watched The Chosen, then you've had a chance to see that play out in a fictional slash semi-fictional fashion, but sort of gives a little bit of flesh to the story. But, but think about that story. Think about the tension. Again, I think we can read scripture so quickly, but put yourself in the story for a minute. This couple goes these 90 miles. There's a, I mean, I've watched pregnant women. I've never been pregnant, but I've watched pregnant women. Those of you who are pregnant can attest it. You can put the comments in the, in the Facebook thing. I mean, it's not easy. Would you want to travel? And most women are like, I'm not moving in that ninth month. And now they make it all the way there. And how confusing would it be to get to Bethlehem and not find a place to sleep? Think about that. Think about how we would feel about God. God, you wanted me to carry your son? And I did it, and I accepted it, and I received it, and now there's not even a place for us to sleep couldn't you have at least found us and in a room what kind of god does this and yet in a place of confusion god invites mary and joseph out of uncertainty into his rest you see just because god invites me to it doesn't mean it will always make perfect sense i mean i've been reminding myself of that this week so many things happen as you're obeying God and following him. You know, Eugene Peterson talks about a long obedience in the same direction. And I think about the Christian life. It's that. It's a long obedience in the same direction. That doesn't mean it's going to be easy. In fact, just because God invites me to it doesn't mean it's, it will lack obstacles. Sometimes we look at life and we say, man, if I, if I a closed door, that means God didn't want me to do this. We, we've all been guilty of that. You start going down a path. You think God wants you to go down that path. And no sooner do you start down that path that you hit an obstacle. And most of us in the flesh, we go, man, man maybe God doesn't want me to do it. Maybe I misread God. Maybe I should have stayed back there. A closed door means that this is not where I'm supposed to be. When the very opposite is true. The very opposite is true. Because God has called you to it, there will be obstacles. You will face obstacles and God will work through those closed doors to magnify himself. And it is in those closed doors that you and I will most find our rest. When we stop looking for the change in our circumstances to give us rest and start resting in his presence to give us rest. You see the difference. Most of us think if everything in my life will be just perfect, then I'll feel rest. And God is saying, man, you don't have to have anything perfect. I am your rest, even in a manger, in the back of a barn, when you're thinking that I've missed the plan, God is in fact working out his perfect plan to accomplish prophecy after prophecy that was predicted about the birth of Jesus. And God reveals himself, who he is, his character, through the very humble beginnings of this King Jesus. It's, it's mind-boggling. And so just because Jesus invites me to it is a sure sign that he will be glorified through it. And he is most greatly glorified when we find our complete peace and satisfaction in him, even in the most difficult circumstances. See, God is glorified when the world sees his kingdom more clearly. And there's no greater clarity about God's kingdom than the picture of baby Jesus born in a manger. And if you wanna understand God's kingdom, that's what it looks like. It's not the famous preachers who are glitter and gold and big yachts and God loves me, he gave me all that. That is not the picture of the kingdom of God. The picture of the kingdom of God is a baby Jesus born in a dirty manger. And, and I love Dallas Jenkins and I used to go to the same church. He's the director of The Chosen. He shows a picture on his Instagram. He says the most powerful scene 
of the birth of Jesus to him was in the little episode that we watched is, is Joseph, the father of Jesus, scooping out poop out of the manger in order to make room for King Jesus. Listen, that doesn't God, this isn't, why? Think about that. It's not that God loves us to be punished or to feel negativity. No, what God's message is that it is the humility of a king to identify with those who are most in need. It is that we don't need the glitter and gold to find joy and satisfaction. The entire kingdom of God is a radical upside down kingdom. Greatness comes from being low. The he who is last will be first. And all the life of Jesus is dedicated to explaining this about his kingdom. And yet to this day, most of us who call ourselves Christians still miss it and have convinced ourselves of a narrative where me, myself, and I deserve more, more, more. And may God rid us of this prosperity way of thinking. And listen, I'm not, there will be some of you and some of us who will have great favor. And or I guess I don't even like to use the favor word because I don't think God's favor is in riches and earthly kingdoms. And, and we might get more income at one point of life than another. And we might get a house or a boat or a car. It's not that those things are inherently evil, but we can become so much more easily dependent on those things and lose the sense of God's presence than if we had nothing and held on to God for dear life. I'm reading this great biography. Uh, we, my team, Irina, Diana, and I are reading the series of biographies that were written for kids, but that's about the intelligence right now that most of us can handle. Like we're all at a max and Diana started it and she says, man, these are like, like they're like, ten, you know, eighth grade level. They're not that young, but, but still I'll show you guys those, the series because it is an incredible series. And I'm reading right now the story of Sundar Singh. I never even heard of him before. And this guy, Sam knows who I'm talking about. This guy, man, he just like, he, he lived out the calling that God put upon him with nothing, nothing. He had nothing. He walked, bare, he walked barefoot to Tibet from India over and over again, sharing the kingdom of God, being persecuted and spat upon. And I think in my head, how did he do it? It's because he saw what it meant to live in the kingdom of God. And I have not done with the biography yet. I can't wait to finish it. But but in this story, last night I woke up in the middle of the night and started reading it. And I was just so encouraged again to see that there are many who understand to this day, many of you understand, that's what the kingdom of God looks like. It is understanding the rich things of this world are not the rich things of this world. All right, so think about that. God is glorified not just in my comfort, but when I trust him even in my discomfort. And if you and I long to see the miraculous in our life, we need to make room for the discomfort. We need to make space for that which confuses us. And in our places of confusion, God will invite us out of uncertainty into his rest. Not into our comfort, but into his rest. That's where we find our comfort. Lastly, when you find yourself in a place of shame, God invites you out of your shame and into your purpose. Okay, where's shame in the story? Well, it's indirect shame. It's shame in that I don't know that we often think of Mary and Joseph as ashamed because we know the Christmas story. So looking at it from 2,000 years later, we all know how it all plays out. We know that King Jesus was born. We know that they ended up living, you know, in Egypt for a while and they went back to Galilee and, and we understand that. So, so it's easy to forget, but I think I've mentioned it enough tonight to, to put some perspective on that. I think there was a window of time where even though Mary Mary had done nothing to be ashamed of. There was shame put on Mary by the culture and the community. I'm sure of it. I'm sure of as sure of it 
Because today, if you were in those areas, in fact, even in the United States, there is a certain level of shame of being an unwed pregnant person. But back in that era and back in that area, you would even have it more pronounced than to the degree that we feel the freedom here in the United States to live our lives like we want to. And I think of Joseph and I think of him making the cognizant, obedient decision to take on Mary, even though she was pregnant, not of him and how much people might have talked about them. And listen, so often our shame isn't because of what we've done. There is some shame that comes out of my own guilt, but there's a lot of shame that is put on us. And in the hashtag me too era and in the church hurt era, many women and many men understand that shame that has been put upon us in an undeserved fashion. And, and listen, in that shame, I think it's important to remember that God invites us out of our shame and into our purpose. See, God's plan for my life is bigger than I can imagine. God's plan for my life defies cultural and personal expectations, and God's plan for my life is often misunderstood by those around me. God's plan for my life is not always easy, but it is always oh so good. And so I think about this couple who, who, who saw the facts, and they were filled with uncertainty, and maybe with fear, and confusion, and and maybe a little bit of shame, but to it, the opposing side of that was God's promise and his uh, assurance that there was no mistake. And if anybody knew the Old Testament prophecies, and I think Mary and Joseph did, certainly Zechariah and Elizabeth would have well-versed them in that when she spent some time there, that they knew that this God was to be trusted and their trust paid off. And they are now a yearly celebration of a couple who had nothing, who maybe aspire to very little compared to the opportunities that you and I have, and yet not a year goes by that their names are not mentioned and that their lives are not meditated upon with some greater degree of depth and, and amazement. And so trust God out of your shameful places. He knows where you've been and he knows where he's taking you. And while you might feel that you've been dealt sometimes an unfair deal, if people are saying things about you that are not fair and you're in their flesh, you wanna fight them, listen, Let's follow the example of a Mary and a Joseph who submitted themselves to the Father. And I, th I think the verse that Mary says in chapter uh, 1 of Luke, where she says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. May that be our prayer as we conclude today's lesson. Let it be to me according to your word. And to that, Elizabeth says, uh, Blessed is she or he who believed that they, there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her or him from the Lord. I think those verses can be applied by you, whether you're a man, whether you're a woman tonight. If you connect with the story of Mary of Joseph, you see in your life a lack of peace. And tonight you've been challenged. Listen, in your places of lack of peace, will you allow the Lord to move you from fear to surrender, to get out of aloneness into community, to, to reject uncertainty and enter into his rest. And lastly, to allow him to use even your shameful places to bring you into your place of purpose. And so I'm, I can't wait to hear what all God is going to do and in your life as you yield to him, just like Mary and Joseph did. Well, I hope you enjoyed the message. As usual, we'll be back together next Thursday to wrap up the Advent series. Hey, listen, I told you about our Thursday night Facebook Living With Power live teachings. If you're looking for a place to connect with community and are longing to get deeper in the Word of God, you need to join us. Uh, why don't you go to livingwithpower.org. That's our website, livingwithpower.org. At the top of the page, you'll see a thing that says join our community. Click on it and it'll direct you there. Or you can go to Facebook and uh, 
look up Living with Bauer Community. I would love to see you there live. This is your formal invitation to come. And hey, by the way, if you're still looking for Christmas gifts, did you know that you can get my book on Amazon? My newest is called Fractured Faith, Finding Your Way Back to God in an Age of Deconstruction. It's always an honor to be with you. It's an honor to talk about Jesus with you. So thank you for tuning in today. Hope you have a great rest of the Christmas season. I'll see you again next week.